Welcome to the March 28th episode of the Enjoying the Bible podcast. I'm Matt Ellis, and I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida, and my desire is to help you grow in your understanding and enjoyment of God's Word so that you can apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Today's reading is Judges chapter 4 through 6, and believe it or not, I am going to be brief. I will be brief on this one uh, because uh, yesterday's podcast was 50 minutes long. There was a lot of content, but I just want to give you a little bit of a breather today. So we're just going to look at uh, these three chapters and do so fairly briefly in Judges chapter 4 through 6. You know how this works. If you've not read those passages, hit pause, go back, read God's Word for yourself, and then come back and listen to what I've got to say. But if you've, get, uh, if you've already read those passages, let's get started. Judges chapter 4, there's there's a couple of things that I want to bring out. The story is fairly easy to follow. It's, it's actually rel- very easy to follow. Um, but there's a couple of things that I want to bring out uh, regarding this chapter. The first is is uh, verse 1. And uh, what we're going to see is actually chapter 6 essentially begins the same way. Judges 4.1 says, The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. And that's the, that's the theme of the book of Judges. Um, it is not a good book. Joshua was generally a uh, book of victories and spiritual leadership and people generally obeying the Lord. But then when leadership was sparse, um, then, you know, and, and you just had the, the judges temporarily here and there, um, the people rebelled. And so it just shows the propensity of the human heart whenever there is not a good accountability system, when we do not put ourselves in a place where we are regularly exposed, not just to teaching, but to teaching of God's word that brings about conviction, that shows us that, that we allow ourselves to, to see what it is that we need to change in our thinking and what it is that we need to change in our behavior. If, if we're not exposing ourselves to that, then we are capable of sinning and of engaging even, in fact, in evil. Uh, the best thing for us to do is not to have periods of time, like in the book of Judges, where we are not exposing ourselves to God's Word and listening to what God is saying to us through our own reading of His Word and also through the ministry of men and women that are teaching God's Word. You can get that on radio, podcast, um, you know, a bunch of the guys that I enjoy listening to. I enjoy listening to guys like John MacArthur. I love listening to Adrian Rogers. Um, I love periodically listening to Tim Keller, uh, very intellectual, uh, but but uh, is very uh, methodical in how he teaches the Word of God. Um, there's many others. I love reading uh, many pastors uh, that have spoken, but some of the ladies, I mean, just one of those that kind of rises to the top uh, with me is uh, Nancy Lee DeMoss, or actually her name now is Nancy Walgamuth, um, wonderful Bible teacher. I would encourage you, get under the ministry of those people that teach God's Word so that uh, we won't have those periods of time where because we are starving ourselves to death spiritually, that we fall off into sin. Um, the other thing that I want to bring up is that Deborah called Barak. Uh, an Israelite, called him to lead an army against uh, their enemies. 
Um, but, uh, you know, Barak, and, and you read this story, you read the chapter, he basically said, basically, and I'm filling in the blanks, he basically said, mm, I'm not so sure about this. It's easy for you, Deborah, to tell me to go into battle, but I'm not so sure because we've been fighting these guys for quite some time and we can't defeat them. So I will go into battle if you go with me, Deborah. So that's what it is. I think it was, okay, if you really believe what you're saying, Deborah, then I want you to put your uh, feet where your mouth is, and I want you to go with us, because if I die, you're going to die too. Um, what happens is because of Barak's failure to trust the Lord, trust the Lord speaking through someone who was speaking on the Lord's behalf, and that's what was going on in the Old Testament. This was about 3,100 years ago, something like that. Uh, it was about 1100 uh, BC uh, when this was taking place. Um, they, they didn't have the Bible like we do. We've got the Bible now. And so when God's word speaks authoritatively, and it always speaks authoritatively, and, and when the Holy Spirit drives some of those truths home to our heart, then we have the choice either to trust the Lord and change what it is that we're thinking or our behavior or step out in faith to do what he's called us to do or what he's calling us to do. But if we don't exercise faith and trust in him and trust in his word, if we don't do that, then we risk experiencing what Barak experienced. Deborah got back and said, okay, you're going to force my hand. You're telling me that I'm going to go with you. Well, I'll go with you, but I just want you to know, Barak, that because of your lack of faith, because of your timidity uh, in the face of a clear word from the Lord, I want you to know that the, the, uh, the valor, the, 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 the uh, integrity, the, you know, the, all of the, the high stature that you could have obtained from leading Israel in a victorious battle, you're not going to get that. Somebody else is going to get it. In fact, it's not going to be even a guy. It's going to be a woman that gets this. Somebody that's not even in the army is going to get the victory. It's going to get the, the they're going to be the hero and not you. And so Barak, because he refused to trust in the Lord for his ability to gain clout with the people that he was serving with and in fact was leading, he lost the ability to gain clout. And so I want you to know that uh, when God calls us to something, uh, whether it is through his word or whether we are so clear that it is something that he is impressing upon our hearts, maybe we're even talking to other spiritual uh, spiritually astute uh, people that we trust, and they are affirming that, yes, in fact, I believe God could be saying that to you, and so they're validating what we believe God's saying to us, then we have a choice. We can either step out in faith and do what we believe God's called us to do, or we can move forward with what we see and not in faith, but if we do that, we may forego some of the blessings that God could have given to us if we had stepped out in faith. So that's what I see as I look at Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 5. In this whole chapter, it's just Deborah's song. Uh, Deborah's song of praise. She just was so excited and so much in a celebratory mood of, of 
the victory that God gave them, that she broke out into a song of praise after Sisera had uh, been killed uh, by Jael, uh, by a woman named Jael. Um, one of the things that I see in this is that this song of praise could very easily have been Barak's song of praise. He, as the leader, could have broken out into a song of praise and, like David, written a poem that would have been a song that the Israelites sang. Um, but Barak just kind of slips into the, into the background uh, because he did not trust the Lord in Joshua five, in Judges chapter five, the Lord through the prophetess Deborah had said, "You will go against the enemy. You will fight. You will be victorious." But because he failed to trust in the Lord, um, he didn't get the leadership clout. He slipped into the shadows, and so Deborah is the one in chapter five that actually. Uh, has this song of celebration that just comes up. And this song is one where she talks about the events that led up to the battle and then the battle itself and how God gave them the victory. It's just a, a story and it celebrates God's victory over the enemy. But the verses that really came out to me in this chapter um, is verses 28 through 30. It, it's one thing to read the Bible stories and just to be caught up in the stories as the Israelites defeated the Amalekites or the Amorites or the Midianites or the Philistines or the Jebusites or whoever it was that they were fighting against. It's one thing to just be caught up in the story of warfare and Israel wins and, and just to enjoy the story. But verses 28 through 30, um, it's it really, it, at least for me, it caused me to feel the weight of this. Yes, it was a victory to be celebrated by the Israelites. But as Deborah spoke the words that are our verses, 28 through 30, she was essentially taunting the mother of Sisera. She was taunting Sisera's mom, Sisera, that had sought shelter in Jael's tent, and Jael hid him under a blanket, and he said he was thirsty. This was Judges 4. said he was thirsty for some water, so she go gets, goes and gets him some milk, and he drinks that and covers him up at the blanket. He is feeling safe. He even goes to sleep, and he does not realize that Jael is going to come up to him while he's sleeping, taking a tent peg and a massive hammer and slam it through his temple into the ground and kill him. And so this guy is dead. He died a pretty traumatic death. And in verses 28 through 30 of Judges 5, Deborah is essentially taunting Sisera's mom. And to me, this greatly personalizes this. It causes me to feel kind of the weight of the battle and the grief of the mom who would soon find out what had happened to her son. Just listen to this as Deborah speaks, uh, Judges chapter 5, verses 28 through 30. Sisera's mother looks through the window. She peers through the lattice, crying out, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why, didn't, why don't I hear the hoofbeats of his horses? Right? And so this commander's mom is waiting for her son to come back. So it's not just a rogue commander, a pagan commander. This is a guy that has a mom that loves him and is looking forward to her son coming back. Verse 29, 
her wisest, this is the mom, her wisest princesses answer her. She even answers herself. So the answer they give is this. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil, a girl or two for each warrior, the spoil of colored garments for Sisera, the spoil of an embroidered garment or two for my neck? And so the answer is, hey, you know, he's okay. He's just, there's so much spoil, so much uh, that they gained from the battle that they're just kind of dividing it up and they'll be coming back. It's just taking them a little too long. But you know all too well that in the previous chapter, her son was killed with a tent peg uh, being driven through his temple into the ground. I just want us as Christians to to read God's word and to celebrate in God's victories, but also to realize that to be fully human is to experience more than one emotion at a time. And we can enjoy the victory that God gave in response to the faith of Deborah as she trusted in the Lord to give Israel the victory against their pagan um, enemies but also to feel a sense of grief for a mom who lost a son. As we read these stories, don't just quickly go over them. Allow your emotions to kind allow your God-given emotions to experience these stories. Maybe close your eyes periodically and 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 try to use your God-given imagination to go back in time to feel what it was like, smell what it was like, see what it was like, to feel these stories. That's how one of the ways it, Honestly, that's just meditation. It's just thinking deeply on God's word and allow it to 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 just room your mind just to ruminate on that. And one of the things you'll realize is as you get deeply into God's word and just kind of experience it, the more it's going to get into your mind, the more of a biblical mind you're going to develop. Judges 6. I just want to bring up a couple of things in this chapter. One is uh, whenever we get to verses 11 through 24, I want you to know that whenever you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, I want your antenna to go up. (laughs) You know, I want red flares to go up in the sky. I just want something to happen so that you become much more attentive to what's going on when it says the angel of the Lord. It's not saying an angel of the Lord in verses 11 and 12. It's talking about the angel. Not just any angel, it's the angel. Okay, so one other thing I want you to realize is whenever the word angel is used in the Greek, it's the Greek word in the New Testament. It's the Greek word angelos. I forget what the Hebrew word is for angel. But one of the things that I know is that in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word that's used and the Greek word angelos that's used... Both of those can refer to the created beings, angels, that we think of when we think of angels, but it can also simply mean messenger. And so I think that sometimes our translations, our translators, they mean well, but you know, we're we're relying on people that are looking at a different language and they're having to make a judgment call on, okay, what word do we use? Do we use messenger? Do we use angel? What what do we use here? And so they're having to make a judgment call. Well, I want you to know that uh, it is so clear to me that in this text, this is not an angel. 
It is the messenger of the Lord, verse 11. Verse 12, the messenger of the Lord. Well, who is the messenger of the Lord? All you have to do is go two more verses, go to verse 14, and it doesn't say the messenger or the angel of the Lord. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. And so, it says the angel of the Lord two times, and then it calls that angel, that messenger, it calls him the Lord. And so I don't believe the word should be translated angel. I believe it should be translated the messenger of the Lord. And who is the messenger of the Lord? Well, according to verse 14, it's actually the Lord. It's not some angelic messenger. It is the Lord himself. Who is that? When God sent someone to us in the New Testament, who was his messenger? It was Jesus, right? And so Jesus is the Lord too. And so Jesus is the one sent from God, and yet he also is God. And so I believe when you're looking at verses 11 and 12, and it's saying this is the one who is the messenger of the Lord, and then in verse 14 it actually calls him the Lord, I think you're talking about Jesus. This is one more instance where I believe Jesus shows up in the Old Testament. If you have been following the podcast for a while, all the way back to January, uh, you know that there were many instances that I pointed out in the book of Genesis where it's obvious it was Jesus that showed up. It was obvious that it was Jesus that showed up. So this is what I want you to do. Anytime in the Old Testament you see it says the angel of the Lord, it doesn't necessarily mean it's Jesus. I just want you to be paying attention and look to see if the text validates the point that it is Jesus. It very well could just be an angel. But in many of the cases that I've discovered, the text bears itself out that it is actually Jesus that has shown up. The only other thing I want to bring up in this text is uh, the, the fleece at uh, the end of the chapter, verses 33 through 40. Um, the Lord is saying, hey, I want you to go fight against the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east that have come over to fight with you. Gideon, I want you to rally an army and I want you to go fight and you will be victorious. Well, Gideon is kind of doubting a little bit and saying, okay, Lord, I need a sign. I need validation that you are really, really, really going to give me the victory. And so, Lord, this is going to be what I do. I'm going to put out a fleece. And in the morning, I want the dew as it's come down. I want the dew to fall only on the fleece, but I want the ground all around the fleece to be bone dry. So the next morning he gets up, takes the fleece, he actually wrings the water out. It has so much water in it, and the ground around the fleece is bone dry. And so then Gideon says, uh, Lord, let's do this again, only different. And he said, this time, tomorrow morning, I want the fleece to be dry and all the ground around it. I want the ground to be just drenched in dew, but I want the fleece to be completely dry. And so he gets up the next morning, sure enough, it's that way. The fleece and the ground, the fleece is dry, the ground is wet. Now, the reason why I bring this up is a lot of people, I haven't heard it too much recently, but I heard it, you know, years ago in Christian culture, many people were saying, well, I laid out a fleece before the Lord. No, you didn't. <laughs> I laid out a fleece before the if if and and then they would proceed to talk about something where it wasn't difficult for this thing to happen. You know, whatever their quote fleece was, it wasn't difficult for that to happen. I want you to know that 
this whole thing with the fleece in Judges chapter 4, uh, actually Judges chapter 6, was nothing short of a miracle. Uh, I really think that we as Christians need to be so careful of saying that we are complying with some of the things that were done in the Bible when it's nowhere close to it. Um, if, if we literally want to lay out a fleece before the Lord to try to determine his will, if that's even the way God wants us to figure his will out, and that's doubtful, but if we really wanted to lay out a fleece before the Lord, why not literally lay out a fleece, <laughs> you know, lay out a shawl, you know, a shawl or, you know, some something, lay out a leather jacket and put it out there, out in your backyard and say, Lord, if it's your will, if you are going to give me victory in this area of my life or, or whatever, then Lord, I want that jacket to be thoroughly drenched in the morning and the ground all around it to be dry and then turn your water sprinkler off, <laughs> you know, that you were aiming right at it. Um, it's that sort of thing. This is a miracle. We've got to be very careful about saying that we're laying a fleece before the Lord or using some sort of biblical um, verbiage that makes it sound like we're doing the same thing they did when in fact what Gideon did was nothing short of requiring the Lord to perform a miracle. Uh, we've just got to be so careful in our language and the right application of God's word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as uh, we come to the end of our time together today, uh, one of the things that we've seen in these three chapters, at least chapter four and chapter six, is the lack of faith and a desire to, to know what it is that you wanted, but with um, Barak, he just wasn't content and uh, just would not step out in faith. Gideon did, but he just needed a sign. Lord, I pray that you would help us to develop such a relationship with you so that we're sensitive to the promptings of your Holy Spirit and to grow in our knowledge of your word so that when we are clear of what it is that you are wanting us to do, uh, whether it's defeating sin or going to share the, the gospel with a friend or family member or to put that resume in at another job or, or whatever it is. If we believe that you are leading us, then we would trust you with that and not live in doubt. Lord, doubt can paralyze us. Fear paralyzes us. Help us not to live that way. Help us to realize, Lord, that, that it says in your word that without faith, Hebrews 11:6, without faith, it's impossible to please you. In order for us to live in faith, to live in an attitude of trust, Lord, we need to know what your word says for us to do, and we need to have a relationship with you so that your Holy Spirit is able to speak to our heart and we're able to understand what it is that you're calling us to do, and then to have a knowledge of your word to know whether or not you have actually spoken that to us. But Lord, faith comes when we know you have spoken, and then we just step out in obedience. Help us, Lord, to live lives of faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
replied, well, it was not 50 minutes today. Uh, so uh, I hope you've enjoyed our time together and I'm looking forward to tomorrow as we get back into the to the New Testament. We're gonna just have three chapters. It's gonna be Judges 7 and 8 and then Luke 5. Um, so we've only got three chapters, not four like yesterday with the 50 minutes. Um, but uh, I'm just enjoying this time. I personally am enjoying digging into God's Word and sharing out of it what I see. Um, and I love your comments, those of you that are able to do that on the Facebook group page. So uh, keep them coming. Love y'all and looking forward to spending time with you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.